You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. Before we get to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, let's talk real quick about tickets. You know, there is nothing quite like being there in person, which is why, as I record this, I am mere hours away from getting on a plane to go to Bloomington so that I can be there for Hoosier Hysteria in person, to see Romeo Langford in person and Juwan Morgan and to feel the energy of the atmosphere. Now, granted, I don't need tickets to get into Hoosier Hysteria just to can good, but later in the season when we come up for the Michigan State game and any other games that we want to go to, we will need tickets for those games, and so will you. And the place where we will go to get our tickets and the place where you should go to get your tickets is SeatGeek because SeatGeek is a place that is designed, and it's been this way since they launched, to make the ticket-buying experience easier than ever. That's why we were excited when they wanted to be a sponsor and why we're you know so happy to recommend them because we like them, and, and we like the way that they do things. And the way that they make it easier is they actually search multiple ticket sites and they grade every ticket based on value so that you can immediately identify the seats that best fit your budget. And this works for IU football tickets, for IU basketball tickets, for concert tickets. You can get everything there and all of your purchases are fully guaranteed. So you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence, which is nice because some sites you don't have as much confidence as you do on SeatGeek. So I've got the app on my phone. It's the best way to do it. And what you can do, since you're a listener to the Assembly Call, is you can download the app, you can enter the promo code ASSEMBLY, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y, and you will get $20 off of your first purchase. So again, that's promo code ASSEMBLY, and you will get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek, life's an event, we have the tickets. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important IU basketball stories from the past seven days. This is our 95th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 426th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, September 27th, 2018. I am your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. The Hoosiers have won the national championship. This week's banner moment occurred on Wednesday during IU's Media Day availability, and it has to do with Romeo Langford. But it's not the quote that you're probably thinking of. Romeo made headlines by saying that his expectation for his freshman season is to win a national championship. Bold words, but as we know, most talk, especially in the preseason, is cheap. But not all talk. What stood out to me most about the media availability was the way that Romeo's coach and teammates described him as a person and as a teammate. They could have focused their comments strictly on his impressive talent and ability, but a number of players went out of their way to praise Romeo's humility and desire to fit in rather than stand out. 
As Juwan Morgan said, quote, he's been a great teammate, not what is usually portrayed of a five-star recruit going in, being pretty much like a savior of a team or anything like that. He's just a real down-to-earth guy, unquote. That's important. In fact, it's essential if this team, which already has an established leadership hierarchy with Juwan at the top, is going to maximize its potential. If Romeo had walked in expecting special treatment and holding himself apart from the group, it would be an easy recipe for the kind of internal discord that we've seen sink talented teams in the past. But at least right now, that doesn't seem to be the case. There aren't many teammate relationships in the country that are more critical to their team's success than that of Jawan and Romeo. So far, they appear to be on exactly the same page, and that's a scary thought for IU opponents. All right, now let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show to my left. He is the Jay Wright of Girls Youth Sports Coaching in Cincinnati. He is the president emeritus of the Robert Johnson Fan Club, and he is one of the world's most respected bracketologists. He is the fun-loving Andy Bottoms. Well, it's been a fun week, Jared. Let me tell you, this is fun. This kind of game is fun. This was fun. All right, well, this was fun. Andy, what is your bottom line, bottoms line on the last week in IU basketball? Well, given that I usually coach in a t-shirt, I'm not sure the Jay Wright comparison is an apt one, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, much less hair gel, too. So, um, you know, it's it's a little bit of what you said with, uh, you know, I, I thought it was great to see during the media availability that Juwan and Romeo were kind of put up there together um, as, you know, one certainly more vocal than the other, the leaders of the team. But uh, it's certainly a team that'll go as far as those two guys take them. And I think putting them up there together shows that that the program at the very least is not shying away from that. Uh, and the other thing that I took away um, that Juwan did in addition to, you know, some of the other answers he gave was at least uh, maybe consciously or subconsciously tried to put everybody's fears about the point guard position to rest by having the guys he singled out be, you know, for improving the most over the offseason, Devante and Al, and then of the freshman, uh, Rob Finnessy. So, um, you know, maybe he he has his finger directly on the pulse of the fan base and what some of the big questions about the team are and uh, wanted to make everybody feel better. Hopefully his uh, his optimism about the way those guys have come along will come to fruition. But, uh, you know, I think th- those were guys that seemed to be, uh, you know, singled out quite a bit. You know, Archie Miller talked about Devontae being more consistent. Uh, I think he's talked about Al over the course of the season. And I think some of the things about fantasy are pretty exciting as you think about him, uh, you know, being the point guard of the future and, and when the future starts, I guess we don't, we don't yet know, but um, you know, excited to hear these guys talk about some basketball and, and makes it just seem that much closer. So it was, uh, it was fun to hear from the guys and hear some of their personalities and things like that. And uh, it was a, it was a, it was a good week, not to mention the fact that it gives us a lot to talk about on the show. Absolutely. And to my right, he's a columnist for The Big Lead and a co-host of The Hangover, but you know him as Indiana Radio's most opinionated, polarizing, over-the-top personality. I pretty much have an opinion on everything. He is Ryan Phillips. Ryan, I know that you can't be with us long tonight, but what was your biggest takeaway from Media Day? Jerome is really good. Yeah, I mean, Archie definitely sounded impressed with him, which we're going to discuss later. Anything else jump out? Can we just get the season started already? Amen to that. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. All right, now don't worry. Ryan has assured us that he will be a full participant on Saturday's post-event show after Hoosier Hysteria. Uh, But filling in for him for the rest of tonight, he was a 10-year high school head coach in Indiana who is currently an assistant coach at Western High School. He is the host of Sports Talk with Tonsoni, the founder of the Delphi Bracketology Club. 
And, well, he's already informed me that he's prioritizing IU Rutgers on Saturday over Hoosier Hysteria, probably, which makes sense given his past comments about the event. I don't like any tomfoolery. I don't like Hoosier Hysteria. I don't like Hoosier Hysteria. I hate it. You got to get something productive out of the day so we don't get beat by Indiana State by 21 points in the first game. You're out of here. He is the coach, Brian Tonsoni. Coach, what's on your mind? I'm ducking. From the, the chicken shots wings. I'm taking. The chicken wings yeah, the, at Buffaloes. <laughs> at Buffaloes. Um, you know what's on my mind is anytime you can listen to to Archie Miller talk about basketball in a long uh, press conference, it, it's music to uh, my ears. Uh, just love the way he approaches coaching. And, and as everyone knows, as much as I dislike Hoosier Hysteria, I really, really like Archie Miller. So it's basketball time again. The season's getting ready to get started, at least practice-wise. I thought it was interesting uh, to, to hear some chatter uh, around Bloomington and to hear Archie talk uh, and to, to remind everyone that there's a learning curve for the talent that we have. Uh, you heard it in guys like uh, Justin Smith and Devontae talk about mental growth and, and learning how to uh, do some things differently uh, from the first year to the second or, or in Devontae's case as a junior. And so, so one of the things that I want to look forward to and, and, and listen for in, in, in future press conferences is are these, how quick are the freshmen picking up how to practice? How quick are the freshmen picking up how to compete in every drill? All of these young men come in highly successful in high school, and maybe we're not pushed in a practice environment, and we're not pushed uh, in a competitive environment, and, and that's not going to sit well with Archie, and Archie's got to do a lot to, to drag that out of these talented people. They mean well. They get along well. It sounds like it's good team chemistry, but your better teams compete in every drill. Your better teams compete in every practice. And as a coach, when you have new players in your program, it's not just about coaching offense and defense. It's about coaching how we do things in a program. And sometimes that takes a little deprogramming uh, before you can program. And so while everything's you know happy and exciting and Hoosier hysteria is around the corner and the and, and you said talk is cheap at the beginning of the year. Those are some things that are really going to elevate uh, Indiana basketball to a couple, two or three, four more wins than, than what their talent naturally would bring. And I'm si excited to see how that plays out. All right. Well, this week on the show, we will look ahead to Hoosier Hysteria. We'll also give you our top takeaways from the media availability and then answer some of your questions in our last segment. All of that and more coming on this edition of Assembly Call Radio. Uh, before we talk a little bit more about Hoosier Hysteria, I do want to remind you about the best way to shop online for great deals on IU basketball and football tickets. Just remember this URL iutickets.shop. It will take you right to SeatGeek, where you can immediately find the best deals on IU basketball tickets. Plus, you can search for IU football tickets, other sports tickets, concert tickets, and more. As a bonus, you can use the promo code ASSEMBLY to get $20 back after your first purchase. And when you use that URL, iutickets.shop, we actually get paid a commission for referring you. That's not the way it works. No, Ryan, it is the way it works. I verified it, and we've actually earned over $100 in commissions already this month. Whatever. It's just so friggin' confusing. It's really not, though. All you have to do is use the URL iutickets.shop to access SeatGeek, and if they end up buying a ticket, the commission goes into our account. Simple, easy. Boom. Over. Done. Exactly. So when you need tickets, visit SeatGeek and use our URL to do it, iutickets.shop. Once again, it is iutickets.shop. Thank you. All right, uh, before we close out this segment, uh, real quick, guys, uh, just a couple quick reminders. If you're going to Hoosier Hysteria, starts at 4, 
Doors open at what two two o'clock. Parking lot opens at twelve thirty. Andy, I know you signed up for the BTN Plus account last night. That's what you need to do if you're going to stream it. Any issues or tips for folks who need to get that? Uh, no, I actually got it in time to watch the uh, IU soccer game last night. That was called by a former intern of the assembly call, Josh Eastern. So got to see an exciting uh, win there. Everything is set to go. Only tip I would give is as you sign up, there's a box that you need to uncheck where it will automatically renew for the next month because the way that the timeline works out this time. You'll kind of have a month where you'll need it to pay to get Hoosier Hysteria, and then you'll want to fire it back up right around the time of the first exhibition game, and that'll allow you to get that exhibition game and then the UC Davis game, which I believe are the only two that are on BTN+. Plus. So they've uh, they've managed to finagle it where they get you for two months this time, but just make sure you uncheck that so you don't uh, end up paying for a month that you don't need. Yeah, and I will be there. So come say hi. Send me a tweet if you're going to be there. Coach, where are you going to be posted up in case anybody wants to come say hi before the game or coming out with us after i'm, I'm gonna post up at buffaloes probably at noon and head towards nick's uh, about 2 30 or 3 if i don't decide to head into uh, hoosier hysteria but immediately afterwards i'm gonna head to nick's and try to hold a table or two uh for anyone who has a half hour or hour to stop by and and just uh talk yep and andy you're gonna host the post event show ryan will be on and then i'm gonna find a place somewhere inside of simon scott assembly hall or i guess walking outside toward the bars uh we're all hop on the show too so we always it's always it's a huge show we have a lot of fun with the hoosier hysteria post event show we fully acknowledge that it is overreacting to something that there probably shouldn't be a post event show for but it's kind of fun and it's our first chance to see a lot of these guys so we always enjoy the show each year it's no worse than overreacting to press conference comments so i think it's uh we it's would, just as we Jesus would God. never, we would never do that. <laughs> never do that. All right. Uh, coming up on the assembly call, we're each going to divulge one thing that we're most looking forward to seeing at Hoosier Hysteria, other than Romeo wearing the cream and crimson on McCracken Court for the first time, plus other stuff that we're looking forward to. That is next. Stick with us. We'll be right back. You are listening to The Assembly Call. If you want to watch replays of our show or listen to our daily Banner Morning IU News updates or subscribe to our free IU Basketball email newsletter, visit assemblycall.com. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, the coach Brian Tonsoni, uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about Hoosier Hysteria. Look ahead to the event. It's coming up on Saturday. Uh, what we're most looking forward to seeing, Alex Bozich and I had a good conversation about this uh, on Podcast on the Brink. And I thought, you know, he had some really interesting insight about, you know, just being being curious about, you know, just kind of seeing, you know, Romeo and how he is in that environment. And, you know, if he's, you know, just having fun and how relaxed he seems. Um, and, you know, that, that was one of the comments that was interesting from Romeo uh, from the media day availability where he kind of said, like, you know, I don't really feel pressure. I just kind of go out there and do my thing and work hard and play my game. Uh, and, and so, you know, I, I would imagine that he will seem, you know, pretty relaxed and uh, but it'll be interesting to see if the if the moment at all with you know all the fans and surely the huge ovation that that he gets you know if that'll kind of get to him at all um, in a good way. Uh, but coach, as you look ahead to Hoosier hysteria, uh, despite all the things that you despise about the event, the tomfoolery and such, uh, what are maybe a couple things, an individual, some things that you're really looking forward to seeing, and and that you might actually kind of take something from because we know most of it you don't want to really take too much out of. 
Yeah. You know, it does give everyone an opportunity to see the players and look at them physically and see what they look like in uniform. And that sounds a little ridiculous, but but that's not. From a coaching standpoint, I was impressed with L. Durham's arms in the press conference. Um, but you, you can see some of the, the maturity, the, the physical uh, growth of these guys by looking in uniform. And then I'm going to be interested in the post play because I think that's going to be an interesting rotation uh, all year long. And, and so when they scrimmage and, and just the way they move and, and things, Race Thompson, haven't seen him in a, a competitive situation. Is Clifton Moore uh, going to be able to do some things? And, you know, a short scrimmage at Hoosier Hysteria is not a defining moment for rotation. But what does Fitzner look like on, on the on the on the floor? So, you know, the guard play is going to be very, very important and fun to watch. I think the post play is going to be very important in, inter- in determining how high this Indiana team can can achieve. You mentioned Race Thompson. I thought it was interesting. Uh, Dan Dockich, friend of the show, Dan Dockich had Archie Miller on, and it was a great conversation. I mean, that to me, that's where Dan is at his best, talking coach to coach. I thought he asked some great questions to Archie, and they got on the topic of race. You know, and Dan said he had you know happened to see a practice and saw race last year and was really impressed. And Archie mentioned a couple times how he just loves to mix it up. You know, kind of a tough guy, not athletic above the rim type, but a you know kind of a tough physical player. And that kind of insight is nice because we haven't really seen race play. You know, and apparently he's you know got a good face up game. So I think you know that that'll kind of be interesting to see because I think there's going to be minutes available, especially early on while Duran recovers for someone who wants to go down there and do some dirty work. And that's kind of the role that Juwan played his freshman year, you know, and race might, you know, might be able to kind of step into that. So I think that'll be uh, interesting to see, you know, if we kind of see any of that um, at Hoosier Hysteria. Uh, Andy, what are, you know, a couple of things that you're really looking forward to seeing at Hoosier Hysteria? Uh, You know, first and foremost for me is just to see how Romeo and Juwan play together. I would assume that as they get split up, they'll be on the same uh, they'll be on the same side of things and just, you know, just kind of seeing how they, they play off one another and, and how they're able to set one another up for, uh, for scoring opportunities. I think that'll be interesting. And then uh, the freshmen in general, just is it's always a good, you know, this is the first glimpse of, of seeing them outside of, you know, high school, uh, you know, highlight tapes and things like that and seeing what they really, what they really look like at a game. I was, I was intrigued by a lot of the comments that were made about Jake Forrester uh, over the last couple of days. And I'm, I'm curious to see, I think live wire is the term that Archie used to describe yeah. him. And uh, a lot of the guys kind of talked about him being, you know, just the energy he brings. And, and even he uh, talked about that and just kind of his role on the team. And so he, he's a guy that I'm, I'm curious to see. And, and Jerome Hunter uh, along some of the same lines, you know, Archie had, uh, had quite a few good things to say about him. I, I forget whether it was, uh, you know, which which thing it was part of. I think it was the Dockage interview where he said he hadn't been around too many guys that just loved basketball as much as uh, as much as Jerome did. So uh, you definitely, you know, you, you're starting to see a a type uh, that uh, of guy that that this staff likes to go and get. Uh, and if that is anywhere close to true about what what he said about Jerome Hunter, then I think he fits that type pretty well. So. Uh, just to be able to see what he can do and, and, and some of that. But yeah, mostly it's uh, to see the freshmen, quite honestly, just to get your first glimpse of them and, and figure out how a lot of these pieces might fit together, given the depth that uh, has been a big part of the discussion this season. Jerome is really good. Yeah, right. <laughs> He's, Jerome, I, I was really intrigued by those comments, too, by Archie, especially, you know, the other thing that he said about Jerome was that he's shooting a lot better than they expected, which, you know, is good because, you know, we know that that's... That's something that Jerome is really going to have to become consistent at in games, you know, to be able to play on the wing. And so that's nice to hear. And just, yeah, I mean, here, anytime you can, you hear that about a freshman, 
that he's got that love for the game, that he's in the gym, you know, just kind of a gym rat like that, that clearly bodes well. I mean, you know, think back to the guys that we've heard that about earlier in their careers, and you think about, you know, Jordan Holes and Yogi Ferrell and Victor Oladipo and guys like that who, you know, really maximize their abilities. And with the size and the talent that Jerome has, you know, if he's going to be one of those guys who maximizes his abilities, he, uh, he may not be in Bloomington too long, uh, that's for sure, and I mean that in a good way. You're listening to Assembly Call Radio. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and the coach, Brian Tonsoni. Uh, you guys want to offer up any picks for the dunk and three-point contest? I mean, the easy answers are Justin Smith for the dunk contest and Evan Fitzner for the three-point contest, clearly. So do you have any dark horses, Andy, in either of those contests besides those two guys? Oh, boy. Uh, I'll say dunk contest. I'll say maybe a dark horse would be Forrester. I think he's pretty athletic. Maybe it's it's a little bit harder for taller guys to to do very well there, but it's hard to know who all is actually participating. So I'll say uh, I'll say him three point shooting contest. Uh, I, you know, you can't really call Romeo a dark horse if you're looking for that. So maybe I'll maybe I'll say Demisi would be one if he's if he's involved in it. By the way, uh, Joel in the chat said that he talked to Jake yesterday and he said he will he will be the slam dunk champion. Or no, no, he said he will be in the slam dunk contest. Sorry. I was I was breaking the wrong kind of news there. Um <laughs> he wasn't he wasn't he wasn't being boastful. He just said he'll be in the contest. So there you go. At least he'll be okay. in the contest. Uh, All right. Well, I'm glad I picked somebody who's actually in it. That's always <laughs> that's, that's always a good start. That's good. That's good. Coach, are you gonna boycott this conversation or do you want to offer some picks? No, I won't boycott. I can participate. I'm going to pick a, a long shot. I think Zach McRoberts wins the three-point contest if he, he's involved with it. He's going to show his improved shooting. He's going to need to shoot to to solidify some minutes, and no one expects him to to win it, and I think he's he's got the moxie to to show up on a night like that and, and win the thing. The Zach dunk McRoberts contest maybe Jerome Hunter. Um to, to go against the grain, but uh, the other guys mentioned uh, seem like good choices as well. Hmm. Yeah, and you know the other thing to look forward to at Hoosier Hysteria is you know we've kind of heard that they're going to put a little bit more into it, and you know, we kind of heard that there's going to be a bigger budget, try and do it up, you know, do it up right, so to speak, you know, more comparable to how some of the other big schools do it. And one of the things that we learned at the media availability is that they're going to be an elaborate floor projection. Uh, and Stu Jackson, you know, tweeted out what that looked like. You know, the Atlanta Hawks, a lot of the NBA teams do it. And so that should be something that's really, really cool. And, you know, the other thing to always look for at Hoosier Hysteria, look, the, the stuff with the team is awesome. The intros are going to be awesome. We certainly should mention that it's going to be great seeing the women's team hang the WNIT banner. That's going to be really cool because anytime that you hang a well-earned banner, that's obviously what we do all of this for and what, what the players play for. So all of those things are going to be cool. But let's not forget one of the most important, maybe the most important purpose of Hoosier Hysteria, and that is to be a recruiting event. And so we know that Trace Jackson Davis will be there. We know that Keon Brooks will be there. A lot of the top underclassmen, guys like Christian Lander and Caleb First, and a lot of those guys are going to be there. And we would certainly assume that just like last year when they had you know Romeo and Robert Finnessy and Demise Anderson and those guys you know, take the long walk across McCracken Court to their seats, which is you know, kind of the only allowable way by the rules that they can get them recognition because you can't announce them or show them on the video board, anything like that. I, I would assume, knowing this fan base like I do, that everybody will be quite prepared when they see Keon and when they see Trace, uh, two tall gentlemen that certainly uh, uh, stand out, even even with, with other players there. I think everybody will be ready to give them a big ovation. That's the other thing is... You know, what kind of experience do the recruits have on their official visit? And so I think, you know, Andy, you know, you see, 
you know, getting the bigger budget, you know, some more bells and whistles to some of us old timers. We might not, you know, it might be a little bit of a whatever in terms of our experience, but that's the kind of stuff that really could go a long way towards selling the experience of Indiana basketball toward the next generation of players who want to be a part of it. Well, and I think that ties in so much with all the the social media stuff that we've talked about over the course of the uh, of the off season, uh, with the different things they've done, with the videos they posted of you know trying to give you a glimpse into what it is to to be part of the IU basketball program, what a practice is like, what some of the off court uh, components are like, and I you know I think it all just you know, that that should all complement uh, everything that they've already seen and, and kind of been told about the program. So yeah, it is a big it is a big deal. I mean, that was really what you know the conversation you had with Jeremy Gray a couple of weeks ago. You know, that's one of those where we can talk about all the things we might want to see, what we like and don't like, um, but you can't really lose sight of that's real. That's such a huge part of the the recruiting experience, and you don't get too many chances to uh, be able to give those guys a little bit of recognition and as as stealth uh, a way as you can. And and so, um, you know, it is important for them to you know really get a feel for uh, the program, and you can do a few more of the bells and whistles in in this scenario than you could ever do during a game day. Valerie asked if Trace has taken all of his official visits yet. He hasn't. He, did, he took one to UCLA. He took one to Iowa. He has another one scheduled for Michigan State. Um, the Wake Forest one, I don't believe, is going to happen. And then I don't think the Purdue one's going to happen either. So that's why you know, I think, you, know you read guys like Rab Johns and, and Alex Bozich and you know, those folks. Sounds like it's you know, kind of between Indiana and Michigan State. Um, you know, that remains to be seen, but that's you know, kind of the chatter that you hear. Uh, and Chad asked if they've announced who's hosting it. I haven't heard who's hosting it. Um, have you guys heard anything about who's hosting it? I have not. Yeah, I, I haven't either. So it'll be interesting to see that and to see if anything happens with the locker rooms, because that's the other thing that we've heard. So if there's you know any type of video presentation or anything like that um, that kind of shows us the locker rooms, that'll be uh, that'll be really interesting to see as well. Um, and I never gave my picks for the dunk contest and the three and the three point contest. Um, I you know, coach, your pick of Zach McRoberts was an inspired one. Uh, for the three-point contest, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Demizi though for the three-point contest. And I've got you know I watched Demizi's interview um, or you know or his his comments at media day availability, and I was really really impressed by some of the things um, that he talked about. And so I want to hit those coming up here in the next segment. Um, so we'll tease that there as we move forward. Um, those of you who are listening on the radio Friday night, you may be switching over now to high school football. Um, so be sure to catch the replay of the show at assemblycall.com. For everyone else, we'll dive fully into our media day takeaways, uh, starting with the head coach. And I'll tell you what I thought about Demisius. That's next. Welcome back to the Assembly Call. Quick question. Are you subscribed to our free IU basketball email newsletter yet? Because if you're a serious IU Hoops fan, you need to be. There's a high-level operation going on out there. You will get our six-banner Sunday news roundups as well as our detailed post-game analysis emails once the season begins, which is why more than 6,000 of your fellow IU fans are already subscribed and joining them is easy. Just text IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. That's IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. Make no excuses. Can we get some basketball, please? All righty. Back to talking IU basketball. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms and the coach Brian Tonsoni. Guys, let's talk about media day. And, you know, 
all the normal caveats. We don't want to overreact too much to this stuff, but this is what we have to react to now. Uh, and I think it, you know it is interesting when you hear guys talk and you kind of get some insight. And I think especially when you hear Archie talk, because he does seem like such a straight shooter and he has this great combination of being succinct and insightful, like you really feel like you learn stuff, you know, both good and bad. Like it actually feels like he'll say what guys are struggling with and say what guys are doing well with. So it feels like a worthwhile investment of time to listen to him. And, you know, you don't always expect the players to give you tons of insight, but I thought we got some. You know, I thought Juwan was really insightful. I thought some of Romeo's comments were. I thought a lot of the guys, and one guy that really stood out to me that I mentioned last segment was Demise Anderson. And I thought for a freshman to have the self-awareness and the candor that he had, just being really open with the stuff that he's struggling with, you know, talking about how he's struggling with the defense and how he's struggling with some of the ball handling, but at the same time, maintaining his confidence in his shooting. I just, I really appreciated his attitude. And if what he said is an kind of a window into his thinking and he, you know, that, that was an accurate reflection of the humility that he kind of approaches his, his, his business with and the growth of his game with, I think he's got a chance to be a really good player as he gets better and improves on some of those weaknesses. Cause I mean, coach, do you think that would seem to me to be a hard thing about being a freshman when you've been a star and things have not necessarily been easy, but you've maybe had an advantage in terms of athleticism and talent and ability to now go to where you don't and you're at the bottom of the totem pole, being able to be honest with yourself about your weaknesses, that seems like a kind of an advanced mindset for a freshman to have. It is very refreshing, uh, but it is it is eye-opening for the young men to go through that. Uh, when you are a very talented high school player, you win every competition in practice, and practice is easier, games are easier, and then all of a sudden uh, you're recruited into a program which has 14 scholar, well, 13 scholarships and, and McRoberts who could have one, and there's heavy competition, and it becomes a little more difficult. And when the struggle comes, that sometimes is new for, for freshmen. And that's a freshman at every level. Uh, go through that, uh, you know, your D- division one all the way down to your NAIA. And, and I've had some experience taking players of mine through that freshman law. And some players are good enough to to play through it. Uh, a Romeo is is advanced. But for a lot of guys, that learning curve on how, how to do things the collegiate way is a lot different than any AAU experience or high school experience. And it takes the right mental approach, and it takes a lot of guidance from the coaching staff, too, to understand that these young men are struggling. And to hear Demise be honest about it is the first step for him to sit there and say, okay, I need to be a better passer, and I need to defend better. That, that to me, is refreshing, and I think Demise will be a nice player for Indiana once those things all get, get worked out. And, and But that's just typical of a lot of freshmen, regardless of, of what they've done in the past. Andy, what were some of your biggest takeaways from me today that we haven't hit already? Uh, well, one of them was, uh, and we heard Archie talk about this, but you, you also heard Juwan and, and, and Zach talk about it as well. And it was really just the difference being the second year of Miller's tenure as opposed to the first. And, and Archie talked about it a lot in the sense of, you know, you've already, you, you are now only teaching some of the guys essentially, and, and you've got other guys who can kind of model the way and, and show, uh, you know, on a team with so many newcomers, show them how it's done. And I think, you know, we see that in other sports and in in other things. And I, but I think it still gets understated sometimes, just how much of a transition 
that last season really was. And even though we were happy with the strides that were made over the course of time, I think to be able to really sit back now and look and say, hey, we've got guys who have been here before, who've done it, who know what Miller wants. And I think one of them even talked about, I think it was, I think it was Juwan. I could be thinking of it, it maybe it was somebody else, but almost kind of using themselves as a translator of like, well, here's what coach wants and here's what he means when he says this and, uh, and some of those kinds of things. And I think it's really hard to, um, you, you know, put, put the right amount of value on, on those kinds of things and how much it being year two is going to mean versus year one. So that, that seemed to be a theme, um, that, that went throughout a number of the guys who talked, uh, obviously only for the guys who'd been there before, but, uh, that was a pretty consistent drumbeat. I felt like something else that stood out to me, Archie was talking about Justin Smith and there were a couple things that stood out. One is, you know, they obviously focused on, you know, Justin becoming a better perimeter player and improving his shot and everything, but it sounded like what they really focused with him on was being a better finisher and that he really struggled last year, you know, being able to finish and not, you know, getting, you know, missing the shot or having to, you know, go to the free throw line, but making those and becoming an and one guy, I think is the phrase that he used. And, you know, I mentioned that on a banner morning recently that that's, you know, one of the individual stats that if it improves could really help this team is if, if Justin becomes better at finishing around the basket and he wasn't bad last year. I mean, his two point percentage around the basket was pretty good. Um, but if he can get even better with the opportunities that he creates for himself with his athleticism and his basketball IQ uh, and just the flow of the offense, you know, as Archie said, he that right there could take him from being a six, seven point a game guy to being an 11, 12, 13 point a game guy, which on a deep roster like this is really big. The other thing, though, coach, I want to get your thoughts on this. And this is from Archie's conversation with Dan uh, Dockage is he talked about how with Justin in particular, now that he's gotten to know him better and he knows how intelligent of, of a player he is and how cerebral of a guy he is, he's recognized how important it is to explain to him the why behind things. That Justin really likes to understand the why, and that helps him get it and believe in it and kind of go at it even harder. And I thought, you know, obviously for that particular player, that's great. What I thought was even bigger about that <clears throat> is it's kind of this small kernel uh, into Archie's coaching philosophy and the kind of coach that he is, the understanding of, you know, tailoring the message to the individual person, building that relationship and how that can grow and evolve over time. And, you know, if that's happening with Justin, that's obviously going to make him a better player. And if that's happening across the board, that's just going to, you know, help that message sink in better for all of those individual players. And, and I mean, I thought about using that as my banner moment, because to me, when you have a coach that understands that and does that, that shows me a guy that's kind of at that next level of being able to build relationships with players and being able to impact them in a really profound way. Yeah, I, I think great leadership understands the assets that they have to use. And in this situation, as coaches, our assets are the players in our program. And everyone is motivated a little bit differently. Everyone ha has that fire at different levels. And, and it sounds – I was really impressed with Justin's uh, interview on Media Day as well. And, and then I, I also listened to the, the dockage uh, segment with Archie. But that is really impressive to – and it's not – it sounds easy to get to know your players. But with all the things that are going on in a collegiate program, that has to be something that is scheduled and a big part of – your philosophy, because it can get lost in scheduling practice, doing media, doing alumni stuff. And, and especially when you're the, the top guy, uh, that, that part can't be 
delegated very well because you are the decision maker and you got the the playing time in your hands. Um, but again, to understand that Justin likes to know the why and then providing him the why and, and understanding then what Romeo might need, and it might be a whole different set, that, that's another plus and checkmark for the Archie Miller fan club. And, and there are other coaches that do that, but I really think Archie has a, um, a good handle on that. And that comment on the docket show uh, just demonstrates that. I have a mad crush on Archie Miller. And <laughs> Do you have your Archie Miller Halloween costume all ready to go yet, Coach? Oh, I, I wish. <laughs> I don't think they make it my size. You know, he's <laughs> point guard, and I'm a defensive tackle. Uh, you're listening to Assembly Call Radio. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with the Coach Brian Tonsoni and Andy Bottoms. Uh, we're giving our, our takeaways from Media Day. Let's talk a little bit about Evan Fitzner so many takeaways about Evan Fitzner since he joined the team. We've heard a lot of comments about his shooting. I thought it was really interesting. He talked about how he feels pretty comfortable with the defense and that the fact that he's an experienced guy, even though he didn't play the pack line at St. Mary's, a lot of the basic principles are still pretty similar. And as he said, you know, a lot of defense is just playing hard, you know, and if you play hard and you want to, that can help you make up for things. But it sounds like Look, we know he's going to have a big impact offensively. That is clear because of his shooting. The question is on the defensive end, and he made mention about you know how he really wants to come in and be a good rebounder, um, and and you know that he's seeming comfortable with the defense. So it's just preseason talk, but that's at least good to hear. Uh, takeaways that you had about Evan uh, from Media Day, Andy. Well, I think it was Duran who described uh, Evan's post game as majestic. I believe was <laughs> that was that term was thrown out. Although I liked Fitzner's response to having heard that, and he's like, "Well." I'd, Kind of like to be known a little more like tougher or, or something <laughs> like that. Um, but uh, yeah, I thought that was I thought that was kind of funny. But yeah, I mean, you had yeah a lot of guys talk about, it. And, and it was it was also something you could tell that the media members that were there were really you know honed in on some of the shooting. I think they they asked almost everybody that was up there in some form or fashion about you know Fitzner and what he brought to the team. But you know, Archie talked about you know just him adding a dimension from a shooting perspective that that they didn't have and. And just being part of a winning program uh, at, at St. Mary's, I think it's one of the things you 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 get some of these guys um, that that look to grad transfer and and maybe they put up numbers at a program that wasn't very successful. And Fitzner, you know, over the course of his time, as we talked about in the offseason, his role changed a, a decent amount uh, to to a point where he wasn't playing a whole lot, but he was certainly part of a, a winning culture and a, a team that won a lot of games. And and again, I think we. We're somewhat hesitant to draw the comparison to, to Max Bielfeld, but there's a little bit of that there where, you know, uh, the Michigan program under John Beeline has been very consistent, very strong. And you've got a guy who's been a part of and seen the behind the scenes stuff of, of what works, what doesn't work, um, and just being able to, to make plays and games and, and see how that all comes together. So I think that, you know, just, just the, the program that Evan has been a part of initially um, it is something that, you know, Archie has harped on, but I think maybe have gotten, has gotten a little bit less publicity just because everybody's so focused on how well, uh, he shot the ball in every video that's been out there and, um, hasn't missed it, a shot yet. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, <laughs> you might be there to see him miss the first one. It's tough to say, but, um, so I, 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 you know, I think he is certainly poised to play a pretty big role right out of the gate because I think he's a guy that Archie already seems to have a decent amount of trust in just from an experience level and to hear, Evan talk about being comfortable defensively, which was really everybody's concern. Uh, or if you were going to find a concern of, hey, I w if this doesn't work out, this is probably why. Um, at least to hear him be confident about that is a positive thing. By the way, we just want to prepare you all once Ryan gets back. Two things that you really need to, to be prepared for this season. One is being told about 
that he discovered Jerome Hunter as Jerome Hunter continues to evolve. And the other one is being reminded about this whenever Evan Fitzner comes up. San Diego guy, because he is from San Diego. So you will definitely hear a lot of that. Coach, what other what other takeaways? You know, we talked a little bit about Romeo and the banner moment. I thought the other thing that was interesting was Archie talking about just his athletic ability and kind of how he's just on another level athletically. If he was a football player, he'd be Randy Moss. If he was a track athlete, he'd be Usain Bolt. You know, some coaches say that. You just kind of think it's hyperbole. Archie's not necessarily a guy prone to a lot of hyperbole. So, you know, I thought that was – those were some interesting comparisons. You talk about some crazy player comps, um, but it just it kind of gives you a window into the just the pure athletic talent that Romeo has. Yeah, I, I think he's very happy with Romeo when it comes game time. Uh, but behind the scenes, when when he said something about uh, he's he's not a display your skill guy or your drill guy, there was a comment in, in one of the either the media or the Dan Dockett show. That's that's behind the scenes coaching is like yeah he's a gamer, which means he needs to step up his practice. And that, that's I, I, lo- I love the coach decoding that you provide for us here. Yeah, that's kind of <laughs> throwing out there that you know. Romeo's good, but you know, we, you can't go Allen Iverson practice talking about practice. And, and I'm not saying that by any means, that's the level of that, that Romeo's at, but that goes back to that freshman question that you asked earlier too, is when, no matter if you're good, marginal, whatever, the next level is a learning procedure, even for five-star athletes. And, and I think that's, you've seen some of that in other programs with the massive amounts of one and done. They're able to win on talent, but there's some things that they don't do very well that cost them uh, at times throughout the season. Uh, you, and I think that was just a little bit, um, I don't know, I, I don't know if that was a shot shot across the bow a little bit or, you know, but he said that a lot about you get to see these guys in five on five and you get to see these guys in drills over the summer. And I bet your practice is going to be uh, a knockdown drag out here starting on October 1st. Cause I think Archie wants a, a little bit more toughness out of the talent that they have because he believes in them number one, and he believes he has a good squad and coaches. You can't like your team until the end of the season. And, and sometimes you got to be tougher on teams that you're really excited about to make sure that there's no lag and no just resting on laurels. And I trust Archie to, to really bark at him enough to, to get the most out of them. And, that, and that's not a conscious choice by these young guys. That's just a lack of really understanding. And that's where Juwan and yeah. Fitzner come in and even Devante saying, this is how we do things here. And Zach. And, and we're, we're going to do it. And Zach. And we're going to do it that way. And it does sound like that camaraderie is there where the young guys are saying, okay, I get it. Uh, and and I, I fully believe that Indiana will get that going. But I get the sense that Archie has a game plan to toughen this group up for – the dog mentality that Archie likes in his teams. And I've heard Juwan mention Yogi several times. And, you know, it kind of sounds like he's modeling how he wants to be as a senior off of what he saw Yogi do, you know, when he was coming in as a young player. And obviously Yogi is a guy who struggled with leadership early in his career, but really I think fully embraced the role as a senior and was a big part of the reason why that team succeeded. Uh, and, and so I think I think having a guy like Jawan to kind of be right there with him, challenging the guys and that, you know, knows what Archie wants, I think will be really good. Andy, uh, go ahead. Yeah, well, I, I think, I think with Juwan, it, you know, the leadership piece, uh, as, as he's evolved and, and grown, we've talked about this so much over the last few years about like who the leader of a given team is going to be. And it became Juwan last year, but I don't know that at any point in the last few years, we really knew going into the season, this is the guy 
And I think Juwan has made no bones about it and really embraced that, that he is the guy. And, and yeah, he and Romeo are going to, uh, you know, share the spotlight and, and do that. But I think he's going to be the one that, that does the talking. And uh, Romeo has even kind of said by his own admission, he's more of a, you know, lead by example type guy. But Juwan is going to be the vocal guy and how he talked about, hey, I'm going to go guard this guy in practice and make this guy guard me and, and toughen him up and make him better. And even just what I think somebody asked him about his, uh, you know, kind of what he wanted his legacy to be or something like that. And he, you know, he said wanting to be a guy that other people wanted to play with that was tough to play against. And, um, you know, they wanted on their side and, and things like that. And he's probably not thinking too much right now about, Hey, this is the, this is the last year. That seems like a long way off than, you know, the last, you know, when his last game will be. But, um, I definitely think that will go a long way towards sorting things out with the team. Cause you know who the guy is, you know, who the, uh, who's got the keys to the car, and then and then everything else hopefully will fall in line behind that. Early April, he's got until early April, so plenty of time. <laughs> plenty of time. Anything else that we haven't covered that you guys wanted to get in on media day takeaways? I, I, only other thing I had was just the depth. I mean, we've talked about this a lot, uh, you know, and Archie talked about it. And, you know, I think what he said was, if we're not playing nine or ten guys, we're not we're not doing it right, or or something to that effect. So. Um, you know, did talk again about, you know, some guys are going to have to sacrifice more than they thought. And we'll kind of see how that all starts to, um, starts to shake out. But I think, I think a much, much deeper team, we, we kind of thought that coming in it, it, nothing I heard yesterday from Archie or any of the guys who are involved in providing that depth, uh, leads me to believe otherwise. So that's a, a pretty positive development for a team that's, you know, had its share of injuries over the course of time and, and often struggled to find guys to step in. Hop in coach. Just a little uh, coach decoding on on the the nine ten depth thing too. Indiana has fourteen guys that seem like they can find a spot, and he's hoping to find nine or ten. That 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 again tells me that there's competition and it's going to be tough. And he, in a way, he's saying if I have to play seven and eight, we can play seven and eight. But we're not. That's not Indiana doing it the right way. Doing it the right way is nine and ten. And even doing it the right way, leaving out some very talented players. And, and then he also had a comment about the sacrifice. And so there, there's some information being thrown out that it's going to be um, a tough thing that, that increases everyone. And that'll be interesting to watch. Absolutely. I felt like we had an amazing conversation on all levels. Thank you, Coach. All right, uh, coming up in our final segment, we are going to answer your questions. We got one from Stephen uh, about a comment Archie made about switching more, maybe, uh, and some other great questions that we will get to in our final segment. Come back, join us on the assembly call. are listening to the assembly call we are wrapping up another week of talking iu basketball i'm jared morris i'm here with andy bottoms and the coach brian tonsoni we've been looking ahead to hoosier hysteria reacting to media day uh, and in this segment we'll answer some of your questions uh, you can always ask us a question on twitter at assembly call or if you want to leave us a voicemail uh, with a question during the week the number is 317-762-6253 that's 317 rob make r-o-b-m-a-k-e if it's easier for you to remember that way um, just leave us a voicemail, and we can play your question uh, live on the air. Let's start with this question. This is from Steven. Uh, Coach, he said, I was surprised to hear Archie and the staff have explored using switching as a defensive option against some teams. What role do you see switching playing in our team defense this year? 
Well, I don't think that he likes to switch an awful lot. And the traditional defensive minded is switching puts you in disadvantages with small guys on big guys or bad defenders on good offensive players. But if you have similar defenders that can guard one through four, you can really disrupt an offense. And in the shot clock, that will force teams to go to their panic eight-second ball screen defense, and maybe he's seeing that against some opponents as a weapon to try to eliminate uh, some of the other team's strengths. Uh, I've never employed a a switching defense, never liked it, but I've been exposed to it the last couple years, and there are some benefits. So that would be interesting to see who he selects to do that with and if they can do it effectively. But it's a sound strategy to really disrupt some offense and if teams don't have really smart uh, offensive guys. Uh, talent doesn't beat switching uh, smart does so we'll have to see yeah i mean if our guys I mean, we have some guys who have been in the system but obviously we have a lot of young guys that we're working in if they'll be ready for something like that how did that strike you andy uh, well i think you know you you look at this roster and and some of the i think you brought this up on a, a banner morning earlier in the week just kind of the the overall increase in height where you've got a bunch of these guys in the six five to six seven uh range now and i think that provides you some opportunities to switch out front to coach's point, you got to be careful with that because you don't know, uh, you know, you get somebody on the wrong guy and and you end up getting, you know, taken inside where you don't want to. But I think it does give some flexibility, if nothing else. I, I definitely got the impression from one of Archie's comments because somebody asked him about it that it, it was definitely not his preference. Um, but I think he's, you know, willing to to look at how that can be beneficial and disruptive. But uh, yeah, I think his his initial reaction to that question was kind of like, yeah, I don't really like to do that, but. Uh, <laughs> But it's good to have the option. It's never it's never a bad thing to, to be able to uh, to give somebody different looks and, and things like that, depending on what combinations you got on the floor. Like, can you imagine if you know you get like Romeo, Justin, Jerome, Juwan, and like Jake or Race out there? You just got like everybody's between like six six and six eight and a good athlete. Yeah, I mean, might might struggle getting the ball up the court, but the uh, the defensive potential <laughs> is pretty pretty impressive. Exactly. Um, Let's okay. So Joel said, which player had the most impressive media day? He says, if Al Durham isn't on the list, I will consider unfollowing. And he signed it, the president of the Al Durham fan club. So if you're looking to become the president of the Al Durham fan club, that has been filled by Joel. So no one, no one else try it. Uh, Coach Andy, did anything else stand out about? You know, we've all been very impressed. I think with Al, his energy. Uh, you know, his personality. I think some of the natural leadership abilities that he has, which you know, it's, it's always impressive when you can notice that in a freshman, and I think we did a little bit last year, and you would expect that to evolve more now as he gets older and, and more established in the program. Anything stand out? Because Andy, we'll start with you. Anything else stand out from you that from Al's comments? No, I mean, he talked about really trying to work on his shot, which I think is probably what, what most people would say was the biggest area of potential improvement for him. Um, you know, he's another guy in that kind of six four ish range, really long arms can be disruptive defensively. And so I think it's just a matter of him being a, a more consistent threat on the offensive end. Uh, he was another one of those guys we talk about, you know, the team struggled to shoot the ball. He was another guy that defenses were willing to leave open. If he can make them pay for that, um, you know, attack some of those closeouts with the way that he can put the ball on the floor and, and some of those floaters he can make in the lane. Um, he's got a chance to, on a team with not a lot of true guards on it. Um, he's got a, a good chance to carve out some time for himself. And, you know, again, getting praise from Juwan uh, is is a positive thing for sure. And and uh, I'm interested to see how he's uh, evolved. And, and we talk about the program making a jump from year one to year two. I think he's a guy who you could see a pretty significant leap from as well. Coach, anything else stand out for you about Al? Yeah. 
you know, I, Andy just took what, what I was going to say about the growth from year one to year two is, is generally a huge jump. Uh, we're going to see Justin go through that too. And L and, and again, he had, he had okay assist to turnover ratios, not great. He needs to get that up to two or three to one, but if he can do that and, and, and hold his own offensively, that, that gives Indiana another option at the guard. And, uh, I think that, uh, that's something that he could fill. So Jared sent in this question, which is kind of interesting. He said, uh, off topic of media day takeaways, but do you think that there will ever be another Tim Priller that the crowd really gets behind like they did with him in his years at IU? And I thought this question was interesting because, you know, you, you look back at IU history and there's always kind of been, you know, a guy at the end of the bench that doesn't play very much, you know, maybe a walk-on type that that got that fans get behind. But I, I don't think you'll ever quite see someone like Priller because, you know, part of the reason I think why he really connected with fans is, you know, they, I, I think fans understood that he was a little bit out of place at Indiana University as a basketball player, just didn't quite have the, the talent level, the skill level. And so it was more of a novelty when he played, in a sense. Um, and, and, you know, I don't, I don't want to say that and, and have that be a negative on him, although there's probably no way to say it and have it not be. But he was just kind of miscast. And I think part of that is just because of some of the scattershot recruiting that we saw from the previous staff. And I don't think we'll see that. So I don't think you'll necessarily see a guy like Priller that is more of a sideshow than a real player. His performance against Purdue and Northwestern, I think his junior year, notwithstanding. Um, but I don't know. Do you guys kind of feel the same way? I, just, I feel like that was kind of a unique thing that you could almost only get with Crane when he would offer, you know, a, a kind of a two-star guy off of one good performance, and it was a total mismatch between player and program. I just don't think we're going to see that anymore from Archie, Coach. Yeah, I, I don't think so because of the recruiting. The only way you get someone at the end is if uh, instead of trying to fill 13 scholarships, you're looking at what some big schools do is get 10 or 11, and then they fill 12 and 13th with, with some local in-state uh, talent, and those guys become fan favorites. Uh, so th that's the only way I see that happening. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, there's there's fan favorites, and then there's what Priller was, which was something right. a little bit different than that. You know, that that's why I think it'll be different. I, I don't know if I'm articulating it very well, but I have a feeling people understand what I'm saying. Um, Andy, quickly, your thoughts on that? I mean, anytime you can take a guy who had an offer from Incarnate Word right out from under their nose toward the end of the recruiting process, I, I think you have to. So, no, you know, I, I agree. I agree with your comments overall. I, I think it was a pretty special situation. And if you look at this year's roster, I don't think there's a guy who comes close to that. And Josh summed it up well in the chat. Tim took advantage of the opportunity given to him like we all would, but he wasn't an IU player. And that is absolutely probably the best way uh, to sum it up. All right. Uh, that is going to do it for us on this week's episode of The Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, if you want to be part of the live chat, the chat mob, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Or you can always subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Thank you for listening. We will be back to talk IU hoops again with you next week and right after Hoosier Hysteria. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim and go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. This was the most ridiculous ordeal of my life. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. 
And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com slash support that lists five ways that you can support the assembly call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate, another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show... We appreciate it. Thank you. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.